Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Norton Rose Fulbright Regulation Tomorrow podcast, where we explore developments in risk and regulation in the financial services sector. My name is Matt Gregory. I'm a counsel in the financial services team in London, and I'm joined by my colleague Ian Hawthorne, who's a senior manager in our risk consulting practice. This is the second podcast in our new consumer duty series. In today's session, we'll be exploring the consumer understanding outcome, talking through what it's seeking to achieve and some practical considerations for firms ahead of the implementation, which, as things currently stand, is expected to take place on the 30th of April next year. The consumer understanding outcome is one of two outcomes, along with the consumer support outcome that has been renamed by the FCA following its initial consultation in May last year. So before digging into some of the detail, in in its initial consultation, the FCA referred to the communications outcome. And in the December consultation, this was renamed the consumer understanding outcome. Why did the FCA make this change? Thanks, Matt. So the FCA has made it clear that it wants firms to support their customers by helping them to make informed decisions about the financial products and services that they buy. They want consumers to be provided with information that they need at the right time through appropriate channels and presented in a manner that they can readily understand. The FCA has therefore said that in renaming this the consumer understanding outcome, it helps to emphasise what it is seeking to achieve what it is wanting firms to focus on, which is to promote consumers' understanding and engagement with products and services and enable them to pursue their financial objectives. Thanks, Ian. That's really helpful. But aren't firms really required to do this anyway under Principle 7, communications with clients? And that's a question that's been on many of our clients' minds too. And the FCA has acknowledged this in its latest consultation. It makes clear that the consumer understanding outcome builds on and goes further than principle seven. So yes, firms are required to ensure they communicate information in a way that is clear, fair and not misleading. But above and beyond this, the consumer understanding outcome specifically requires firms to ensure that their communications are likely to be understood by the average customer who is intended to receive the communication and equip them to make decisions that are effective, timely, and properly informed. Tailor communications to the characteristics of retail customers that are intended to receive the communication, including importantly for any characteristics of vulnerability, the complexity of products, channels used, and the role that the firm plays. Tailor communications to meet information needs of individual customers and check that customer understands the information when a firm is dealing directly with the customer on a one-to-one basis and also to test, monitor and adapt communications to support understanding and good outcomes for retail customers over time. Thanks, Ian. And in many ways, this is a really good example, isn't it, of the the outcomes focused nature of this package of reform, which is different to really the way that the obligations have been set historically. So clear, fair and not misleading looked in particular at the communication itself sometimes on an isolated basis or maybe as part of a series, this is much more focused now on what does the consumer understand through those communications, very much putting yourself as the firm in the shoes of the consumer. And really, that's across the life cycle of the customer journey. So I think maybe if you could now just unpack some of those points you mentioned, for example, what are some of the things that the FCA is driving at to ensure that firms equip customers to make effective decisions? 
Thanks, Matt. So this is really about putting um, firms putting themselves in the shoes of the target customer. And for each communication across the customer journey, really challenging themselves around a number of areas. So, for example, do the communications give sufficient information to customers at the relevant point in the customer journey for them to make an informed and effective decision? Do the communications risk exploiting any customer biases? For example, is appropriate prominence given to risks and costs, as well as the products, features and benefits? Is the information presented in a manner that is sufficiently engaging, clear and easy to understand? So, for example, does it make use of visual information such as infographics, diagrams, interactive media such as videos or audio, where this would benefit the target consumer? And this can be particularly helpful when explaining more complicated messages, for example. Is the information being provided relevant to what the customer needs to know at that specific point in the customer journey? Where there's technical terms that are unavoidable, are there simple definitions in plain and intelligible language that can be used to explain these that the average target customer would understand? And does the structure ordering of communications give customers sufficient time to consider their options and make effective decisions on an informed basis? So this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I hope provides some examples um, for firms to consider. Yeah, thanks Ian, that, that's really helpful. And there are a number of points in there which pick up on themes that have been really around with the regulator for some time. For example, the use of positive friction in customer journeys and the extent to which that can provide appropriate time for consumers to make uh, effective decisions around investments, for example. And the point you mentioned on exploiting customer biases is, is an interesting one, and it's something we've been discussing recently with clients, along with the importance of testing and monitoring the effectiveness of communications over time, which we'll come on to shortly. And before that, you also mentioned the importance of tailoring communications, and I wondered if you could summarise the key expectations for firms in this area under the consumer duty. Sure. Now, an important starting point here, the, the FCA doesn't require firms to tailor each and every communication to the needs of each individual customer. And this is particularly important to bear in mind when considering communications regarding products and services that are aimed at a large target population, such as a current account, for example. Rather, in this situation, what firms should be doing is challenging themselves around the information needs of the various cohorts of customers within the target population based on their characteristics and needs. For example, a cohort that is perhaps less sophisticated or experienced in engaging with financial services may require information to be delivered in shorter, bite-sized chunks with greater use of diagrams, graphics and interactive media to explain key messages. What is really important here is not adopting a one-size-fits-all approach. And then looking towards the other end of the spectrum where, say, a firm is interacting directly with an individual customer on a one-on-one -on -one basis, it should challenge itself around the needs of that customer based on the interaction it has had with that individual customer. So, for example, does the interaction indicate that they would benefit from delivering communications in a way or through a particular channel that would better aid the customer's understanding and engagement with the product or service concerned? And considering vulnerability is particularly important here and communication should therefore be tailored accordingly. Now the various areas that we've touched on so far, putting firms in the customer shoes, understanding customer needs and circumstances and tailoring communications accordingly, are really important what I'd call communication design considerations. 
However, the FCA makes clear in its latest consultation that testing the effectiveness of communications to support consumer understanding in practice and being able to demonstrate this is a critical component of the consumer understanding outcome. And I know, Matt, this is something that you've been discussing with clients recently, and I wondered if you could perhaps share some of your insights here. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, of course. As you say, testing the effectiveness of communications and being able to evidence that they can be understood by the consumers that they're targeted at across the customer journey is really important. In order to determine the extent to which the testing may be required, an approach that we've been discussing with some clients is, is firstly to map out the various customer communications across the customer journey in the product suite, and then to conduct an assessment of each of those communications in a structured way, considering factors such as the audience for the communication, so is this a mass market communication? And if it is, what cohorts of customer are included within the target market? What are their characteristics, needs? And is this alternatively a tailored individual communication? Also considering the extent to which there are any reasonably foreseeable needs or vulnerabilities within the target population and what those might be. Then thinking about really the purpose of the communication, to what extent does it prompt or inform a decision? And if so, what is the relative importance of that decision? And finally, one of the really big areas thinking about the consumer duty as a whole is the scope for harm if the information being communicated were misunderstood or overlooked. The output of the assessment should then be documented, as you say, subject to review and challenge at an appropriate governance forum. This will help inform decisions around the population of communications that require testing. And then the testing itself could, could really take a range of forms. So, thinking about consumer surveys to test understanding of key communications across the journey, maybe focus group sessions with individuals who have the characteristics of the target market, engaging with communications agencies or other stakeholders such as consumer groups independently to review the communications in scope, or maybe working alongside specialists with experience in behavioral economics and customer behavior in order to conduct testing of different communication styles. The output of any of that testing performed really should be retained to demonstrate how firms have gained comfort that their target customer base understands the communications across the journey and to inform action plans ahead of the consumer duty implementation date when that's required. So really importantly, this shouldn't be a single point in time exercise, certainly not ahead of consumer duty implementation. Really, it should be periodic testing, which, which really informs overall an overall monitoring plan that seeks to evidence the extent to which communications to consumers across the journey are supporting understanding and helping customers make effective, timely and properly informed decisions. Firms should ensure they have the right MI and reporting in place to help inform that ongoing monitoring plan, such as including metrics on customer engagement, response rates, complaints and information from distributors if that's relevant, all of which can provide useful intelligence in this regard. So as we come towards the end of this podcast, Ian, what in summary do you think are the key takeaways for firms at this point in time? So I think from my side, there's probably five key takeaways. So firstly, firms should look to put themselves in the customer's shoes when preparing and reviewing their customer communications. Secondly, they should really challenge themselves around the techniques used to communicate messages to customers and the effectiveness of the channels used to deliver those. Thirdly, consider how communications are tailored where appropriate across the customer journey for both customer cohorts within larger populations, as well as individual customers that may be dealt with on a one-on-one -on -one basis. 
Fourthly, testing is really important and adopting a test and learn approach can be a good way of adapting communications to improve consumer understanding and deliver good outcomes over, over time. And finally, firms should be monitoring the effectiveness of their communications on an ongoing basis to demonstrate how they are meeting the consumer understanding outcome over time. Thanks, Ian. That's great. The new customer communications outcome is going to be a really significant area of change, I think, across the spectrum, really for all areas of products and services and different forms of financial services provider. I think at this stage, firms, as you say, should be thinking ahead to the implementation, taking some of the steps that we've been recommending today, and really thinking about the full suite of customer communications that are in place in connection with existing products and services, and also for new products and services, of course, as well. All that remains for me to say is thank you very much, everybody, for listening today. Do look out for our next podcast, which is uh, going to focus on the fair value outcome, and uh, that's going to be published shortly. Thanks.